Hey, it's Donnie Bobine. Thanks for checking out the show. Just want to let you know that each week, I literally bring on some of the best in the world to coach me on growing my business. What you're going to hear is live conversations I've had with some of the greatest business professionals in the world as they guide me how to grow my company, Success Champion Networking. This is real. This is raw. This is completely unfiltered. And it's really them pouring into me so I can grow my business. My hope is as you listen to this, that you'll get real value that'll help you grow your business. Do me a favor. If this brings you any value, please leave me a review wherever you're listening to this. And that would mean the absolute world to me. Welcome to another episode of Growth Mode. I'm Donnie Bovine, and I'm here to light a path towards conquering the most significant battlefield, your mind. Today, we're privileged to delve into an enlightening conversation with Tyler Schmoker, a man who has redefined endurance, who is journeying through some of the toughest terrains, not just outside, but within his own mind. Together, we'll explore how to climb mountains of your mindset, how to navigate the shadowy valleys of self-doubt, and how do we emerge triumphant and stronger. So tighten your seatbelts as we embark on an expedition that promises to reshape the way you perceive challenges, resilience, and most importantly, your own mindset. Let's do this. Welcome to Growth Mode. All right, Tyler, dude, I'm a guy that is a sucker to set traps for myself. And what I mean by a trap is accountability is kind of a bitch for me. You know, sometimes I'm really, really good at it, but sometimes I'm not the strongest at accountability. So I set these straps like where I will literally put out on social media that I will do X by X or this will happen and y'all get to experience in my embarrassment if I don't accomplish what I say I can do. Right. right. And that's worked for me. And I tell you that to say that my dumb ass signed up for a Tough mutter this year and I'm scared to death because I have not done anything outside of a walking my driveway for the last year. I haven't ran since I was in the Marine Corps. How the hell do you have the endurance to do the crap you're doing, cross freaking mountains and all this crazy shit you're doing? I'm fucking flabbergasted by it all. But uh, help me out here because I really am going to do a Tough mutter at the end of this year and I'm scared to death the damn thing. That's awesome. So one of the biggest things when you start to set these goals, and I think you've, you've kind of hit on the first one, and it's the social contract, right, for accountability. So you signed up for this thing, you told your loved ones about it, and you probably blasted it out on social media, and now people are starting to follow it, right? I do some of yep. my, that for myself as well, where I'll kind of, I'll article out the journey and keep people updated on it up to the point where I'm even giving like tracker information so that people can watch me succeed or, or fail publicly in some cases. So good on you for setting that social contract. It's a way to kind of keep the accountability stick a little bit closer to you to keep you going when you have those hard training days. But then some of the other things too, when people are exploring these big objectives, and these things that are kind of outside of what the normal person does. A lot of people have the quote unquote motivation and the inspiration to do it. We look on social media and we see the inspiration and motivation everywhere. But what a lot of people lack is the momentum to keep going when things get hard, hmm. whether you're actually at the point of execution and you're in the race and you're, you're thinking in your mind about all these um, mental off ramps where it's just easy to turn on the blinker and get off as opposed to staying in it. Cause that's kind of what separates high performers from normies, to be quite honest with you. So dude, I, I, cause I can tell you it's that mental head game that you play with yourself. You know, we, I would say that most people have probably been in some sort of situation where 
they've gone beyond further than they thought they could, right? Um, whether it's a walk or a jog or something physical, whatever else. Um, but to do it to the depths that you're doing it, I mean, is, is for you, is that like a ridiculous amount of mental work, meditation, where you kumbaya on top of a mountainside before you did all this? You know, uh, what's that mental prep like? So for me, it's a combination of a couple of things. There's definitely like a, a holistic woo-woo approach to what I do. I'm not really a big visualization guy so much, but I do kind of tend to immerse myself kind of like method acting and live my life in a way that I want to perform when, when it's time to be operationally correct. And that means getting snippets of it every day with, with good habits and accumulating those things over time. So one of the things that I like to do is be very systematic in my planning. So in your case, you're talking about, all right, I'm going to sign up for this tough mutter, right? And you post about it on social media. That's the motivation, inspiration part. It's Donnie, you're kicking ass. You're inspiring me. You're going to get off the couch. You're going to start training and you're going to do this tough mutter. And now I'm going to do these things. But then after that is the point of momentum where a lot of people start to fall. Oh, my knee hurts. I've got this past back injury. All these little off ramps that people are just quick to get off of, and then pretty soon you never hear about it again. Or you have people that actually get into the event, and you're going to be thinking about it when you're on a like a long, long duration and endurance types events. You're going to be thinking constantly about all these excuses: of, "Oh, my knee hurts. Oh, my back hurts. Oh, I'm out of water. This, that." I still have that to oh, this I'm day. Oh, I'm 46. Yeah, ex exactly. <laughs> Exactly. I, I'm, I'm a little younger, but I'm in my 40s as well. It's like I'm 15 years past my athletic prime, so it's okay. <laughs> I, I'm still doing most and more 43-year-olds, but a lot of that's bullshit, right? It comes down to being very systematic in your planning. So after the point of inspiration, motivation. So the thing is, everybody's got dreams, right, of the things that they want to do. And I feel like the difference between dreams and goals is really that a dream is something that it's, it's outside of you. You haven't taken ownership of it. It's just something that people do. And, oh, it would be nice to do this or it'd be nice to do that. But then you assume it as a goal and it's not really clearly defined yet. But that's when you're taking ownership of that stuff, right? And you've done that by saying, I want to get in better shape. I want to do this thing. So I'm going to sign up for a tough mutter. So you're, you're still kind of in dream phase there. But then you take ownership of it as objective. You go on to ultra sign up or wherever you go to sign up for that event. You put down the money and now you have a date. So at that point, it becomes a goal. That, yeah, that date, that's the scary portion of it all, right? Because, you know, I can post on social media and then, you know, if I was a jackass, I could hide, right? And just never mm -hmm. talk about it again unless somebody right. else brings it up. But now there's a looming date over the top of the damn thing. Somebody else is going to have my name on a freaking roster, right? They're expecting me to show up. So I like that pressure because now I'm not just letting myself down by not showing up. I would let them down if I didn't show up, right? They're expecting me to be there. And mm -hmm. I need that extra level of accountability for me. So that doesn't help me get to the finish line. That just helps me get to the starting line. Right. Yeah, you exactly. Know. So you've set the social contract to hold yourself accountable, right? So you, you've taken a dream, you put it to an objective, right? But then from there, or goal, and then from there, you're starting to define your objective. It's like, okay, Start point is on this date and end point is at this time. Here's my goal. I want to be within this many hours completing this thing or whatever it mm. is, or 
or my goal is just to finish or, or whatever it is. So you start to set the objectives to that. In the business world, we call it KPIs and you hit target on sales and all this other stuff. So that's what objectives are. And that's where a lot of people who have big dreams and they have goals, they fall off because they never really set definable objectives. And you talk about it like from a DevOps space, requirements. It's like, okay, you have this big idea, you sound cool about it posting on, on social media, but what are the requirements? It's like, how do, you, how do you actually pay the bills? How do you get to the finish line? How do you do these things? So you start developing your list of requirements, right? And then from there, you're putting project management on top of this beast. Like I do that with all of these different mountains I've climbed, these different races that I've run, all these different things that I do. It's like, I have an idea for this, but then there's a lot of hours I spend where I'm doing digital reconnaissance on Google Earth or in Gaia and all this other stuff. I'm figuring out, well, these are the times I need to make for checkpoints. So these are where my training intervals need to be at. This is what my work rate needs to be. I, be, I need to be able to carry this much weight. And that's during event. And that's not even to include I got to get to the airport to get there. I got to get my flights. I got to get permits if there's permits involved. What kind of food do I need? What kind of things can I take on an airplane that I'm going to need when I'm there? Like bear spray. Every time I go to Colorado <laughs> to climb the mountain, it's like, well, I can't go through TSA with weapons grade bear spray, right? So I have to figure out where am I going to rent bear spray so I don't get eaten by a grizzly when I'm out climbing. So those are all those types of things that come into the operational requirements of achieving your goals and achieving your uh, dreams, it's where the faint of heart start to fall off because that's where stuff gets hard. Everyone likes to talk about do hard things, but then when you're approached with hard things, a lot of people fall off. Yeah, hundred um, percent. And and I agree with you that that's the exact moment because it's the unknowns. It's always the unknowns that get you right. Like mm -hmm. I'm thinking about a, a tough mutter, nowhere in comparison to what you're doing. It's insane. Um, and just hearing you talking about these KPIs and objectives, I'm like, shit, I don't even know what the course looks like. Like, I, I got a brief, you know, idea of what it is. Now I'm thinking, shit, do I need to go Google Earth this damn thing and see what, what's coming up? Because I don't even have a training regiment, right? I don't even have, like, uh, Mark Zolmanoff, who's a buddy of mine who runs a, a CrossFit gym, you know, he just did a 24-hour Tough Mudder. So I should probably reach out to him and say, okay, mm -hmm. I need some sort of training regiment for this. Because in my, I mean, I'm just a guy that, look, okay, that's what I'm going to do. Cool. I'm just going to sign up and do the damn thing. I hadn't even thought about what it's going to take to actually get me across the finish line um, with that. So, but to your point, it's, it's when it does get, when you get to those areas of unknown in anything, it's when confusion happens and overwhelm happens and, and, and you start to really get up in your head because you're like, fuck, I don't know how to do this. Where do I find this information? So for, for you, is it a series of, of like people you go talk to? Is it all Google or YouTube? I mean, how do you figure out all these unknowns to be able to not completely kill yourself out on these crazy ass runs? Yeah. So I have a term and, and it's, I didn't make it up, but I, I like the term it's called OB overcome by events. Right. And that's when it, things start to get hard. You start to get injects that things that don't go to plan or your training wasn't maybe quite as adequate, or some of your gear failed, or all these different things that cause people to have these snowball freakouts to the point where, again, they're turning on that blinker and they're taking that off-ramp to quit, right? So all of that prior planning, and really to answer your question, I pull from a lot of different mediums. So I'm using Google Earth. I'm looking at elevation. 
I'm comparing that to my relative capacity. It's like, I know I need to go on X amount of miles and to meet my goal of doing it in 20 hours or whatever the case may be, I need to figure out what's my relative work rate like? Because it's like, so for, we'll use a simpler. What do you mean? What do you mean by work rate? So for example, say I sign up for a marathon as kind of like a, a baseline, a, a flat marathon. It's like, well, yeah, if, a if flat I, marathon is a, is a baseline. Just go with it. <laughs> <laughs> but just for the, for the sake of discussion, without a lot of different complexities or, or logistics around like, well, like I use a marathon for an example, because it's a case where like a lot of the off ramps are easier. One of the things I really like about mar mountaineering is it's hard to quit. Because you yeah. have to, you have to haul yourself. Right. Yeah, you have to haul yourself back out of there, and so the stakes are higher. But like with a marathon, you got checkpoints probably every mile, and a lot of the well-established ones. You're gonna have safety people all, of, and there's plenty of off ramps where I can text my wife and say, "Hey, I quit. Come get me." Right. So there are a yeah. lot of those off ramps in in those types Sometimes of you might situations. Be able to sneak off the course without nobody seeing you, type of thing, right? <laughs> right. Right. A exactly. But with that too. I go into a marathon. It's like, well, I want to run a three and a half hour marathon. Okay. But if my training interval six weeks before my work rate, my capacity is I'm at six hours, the math doesn't math on that. So I think that's where people kind of need to be in touch with their relative capacity as well. And I think that every person is capable of a lot, but you have to set realistic, challenging goals at the same time. Because you don't want folks to get out there and get hurt or get killed doing something that they had no business doing. So that kind of leads into the next point then is milestones, right? Mm -hmm. So after you have your objectives, you're breaking it down. And, and again, people like to talk about eating the elephant, but beyond the anecdotal analogies about it, they don't know what to do. So that's where you just kind of stack on top really deliberate systematic project management. It's like, Okay, so now you've got your you've got your course, you've got your dates, you know you probably have some Google Earth to do, you know the relative distance, so you know that you need to be able to do a certain amount of pace like in a similar training environment pre-race to make sure that your capacity is aligned with that. And then you just start breaking down those milestones. Like you still need to take care of your logistics of how do you get to the race? Where are you going to stay at? What's your pickup plan if you don't make it? What are your secondary and tertiary for exfil if you need those types of things, right? And then, so you just start breaking those things down from your requirements. It's like, okay, I'm ticked off this. The air, the airline ticket is, is booked. You know, I paid for it. I've got my food plan figured out. I've got my next of kin notifications, all of these different things that you need to do. You start to break that down into milestones and that becomes part of your plan. Then, And that's where you're really able to start implementing your plan. Then like even leading up to the race training with people, you're talking to subject matter experts, you're looking at Google tutorials, maybe you're buying some equipment that's specific to this event, like some new shoes. So maybe you're like doing a technical evaluation. It's like, I've got $200 to spend. Here are the three shoes that I like, which ones actually meet all the requirements. And then you start looking at some of those different differentiating factors. It's like, what are the reviews on these? Who says they're awesome versus they suck? What are experts say or saying what are normal end user consumers who are novices in the space like you saying about them it's like yeah i know that the experts liked them but i thought they sucked they right. they hurt my heel or whatever so those types of things and then from there you start to make those decision points so you're really getting systematic and specific how you're mapping out the logistics for this and so 
kind of bringing this back full circle then by adding that systematic and deliberate approach, all of the OBE or overcome by events stuff that we were talking about at the kind of at the beginning of this rant, it gets a lot smaller. And, and I can tell you that being systematic and then also exposure training and doing this stuff for as long as I have in a lot of different environments and organizations, my OBE is a lot smaller than the average person. And yeah, I know I that, guarantee. right? So, and, but you have some of that experience from the Marine Corps as well. And maybe even it's, if it's a past life, your OBE is a lot different than other people's OBE, but you can still shrink it down even smaller. Yeah, I know because I'm thinking through all this. You know, if I if I look at it from a business perspective, you know, building a business, I don't give a damn. It's the toughest thing on the damn planet, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's just hard to build a business, and and it's because you get into the overwhelm, the unknown, all the things being thrown at you. Um, I like the idea of thinking through all the different moving parts, then leveraging the experts uh, and the likes. All of that will prepare you for everything moving forward. But I can promise you without a shadow of a doubt, I'd have rang the bell at Navy SEALs Hell Week. I, I, I don't even know if I would have made it to Hell Week, like if I would have tried to do like Navy SEALs Hell Week. I just know mentally I'm not prepared to go through that much personal torture, nor would mm -hmm. I even sign up for it, right? So I know going into something like a Tough Mudder, I'm going to get stacked up, not to the intensity of a Hell Week by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm going to get stacked up against that level of intensity. And I don't know that I've been in a situation where it's been that intense before. So I'm going into that unknown as well, uh, being prepared for it. It's a lot like building a business. There's a shit ton of unknowns in business that you just have to learn the hard way. Um, mm -hmm. You can do a lot of prep and planning, but you're going to get sideswiped by shit that you just didn't even know was a thing. And I'm feeling this is going to be the same way when it comes to the Tough mutter. And I know experience is the best teacher of almost anything, right? So you go through it, you're like, okay, next time I won't do that stupid thing again, right? Mm -hmm. What else should I be thinking through from a mental game perspective? Should I be looking for all those off-ramps and with the potential things that could pop up? Does that make them come to light more quickly or uh, does that prepare me for when they might happen? So I think the biggest thing is when you're, when you're, Going in your assessing risk. So let's talk a little bit about doing your pre-execution checklist and your assessing risk relative to your operation or your event, because we're kind of at the point in the discussion where we're talking about implementation now and execution to put all this logistics and, and planning in, into play. So when you look at risk assessment, there are things that you, you can't plan for everything. And and Mr. Murphy and Murphy's law is always going to show up when you when you least expect him. And, and the, the shit is, is going to hit the fan and something that you didn't account for, whether it's equipment failure or, you know, you, you ate bad pizza the night before or whatever, something is going to happen that, that is going to degrade from your work rate and your capacity and your ability to, to execute. So you need to be able to compensate in other areas for that. So what you do then with your risk assessment in your implementation phase and pre-execution is you start to determine in probabilities, what are the high higher probability risks that I'm likely going to face at this event, whether it's dehydration, whether I'm exhausted, whether I get a, a twisted ankle, whether there's a swimming phase and I'm not a strong swimmer, whatever that case is. So you start to figure out those high probability um, risks that you, you'll likely encounter during, during your, your operation, right? And then from there, among those higher probability, 
you you figure out the higher impact or the or the higher catastrophe rate type of of risk. So maybe there's a high probability that you'll get by a mosquito, but unless you're deathly allergic, who cares, right? Right. So, so don't focus a lot of effort on that. But if it's I can't swim worth a damn, and there's a mile of of swimming in muddy water under barbed wire and and pyro over my head in the tough mudder, it's like. Well, maybe you should start thinking about taking some swimming lessons or, or, or getting out into the lake and doing some training before then, whatever that is to kind of shore up that gap. And to that risk, you're implementing a control measure that's going to bring down the probability and bring down the severity of that risk. So if you're systematically doing that on all these higher probability and higher uh, severity scenarios, again, that's how we're shrinking that OBE down to where your overcome by events potential gets a lot lower, right? So what's interesting, I love this because what's interesting is I've done what I've always done, which I just signed up for shit and said, okay, I'm going to do that, right? <laughs> I haven't done what I need to do, which is actually start researching what the hell I signed up for, right? <laughs> and start looking for all these things. I just knew that I needed something uh, extreme, like signing up for a marathon. That that wasn't going to be enough for me because mm -hmm. I'm like, cool. You know, it, it gets to a point where I can just walk that, you know, and mm -hmm. so there, there was too easy of an out. Um, I thought, well, I'll just beat the shit out of myself on a massive obstacle course. That's going to be tough as hell. Now right. there's not as many ways for me to, to, to back out through this process. But like even building my businesses and the like, I just said, oh, I'm going to go do that without putting in all the legwork. Now I need to actually go start putting in the real legwork to get this all put together uh, and lined up. So this will, this will be an interesting and it's going to be fun to really document this journey along so people can learn as I continue to do this crazy ass thing. Um, and hold I yourself know. to the, and hold yourself to the social contract. Too. Yeah, I know that's, that's <laughs> the, right. That's, but that's why I do it. So I don't have an out, you know, um, I want to. Uh, put myself in a situation where, you know, there, there's egg on my face. If, if I don't, you know, accomplish this, I want people to be living vicariously through me in this journey because that's going to be, that, I have an intrinsic, I'm more motivated by fear than I am by fame. So, mm -hmm. you know, the idea that people would see me fail will push me harder than anything else. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you know, I, I always like a tape in my head that, it, somebody's waiting for me to throw in the towel because if I throw in the towel, it makes them know they shouldn't even give it a try. And that thought process just pushes the fuck out of me. I'm like, Death I before dishonor, baby. Yeah, dude. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> you know, so I read one of your LinkedIn posts where, I don't know, it was like 600 miles maybe in the mountain, freezing, everything. I think you were medically evac'd out of the fucking thing. Uh, how, well, I signed up for a tough mutter, man. I mean, what goes through somebody's mind to say, I'm going to go tackle this freaking mountain like this? I mean, that's just insane to me. So the thing is, some of it's incremental, right? So when I started climbing, I started on less complex peaks and then just started scaling up. So that's the part that we were talking about before. So we both know that that we're in a culture of of the David Goggins and the Jockos yeah. and the Cam Haynes and all these people. And it's just stay hard and they do that stuff. But the reality is they're doing a lot of planning that's not sexy, right? So they're right. researching stuff. They're talking to people that are in the area that they plan to go into. They're talking to people who've been in these events before. They're talking to different manufacturers about the equipment that they've used. They do a lot of those things. So 
again, when you see the, when you see like the, the, either the highlight reel or in a lot of my cases, it's low light reels where I fail at doing <laughs> some of this stuff too, but it's mm. not like I just, it's not like I just got off the couch and decided. So I think that's the difference in where conversations like this are important because the, the, you know, the 30 seconds stay hard, um, short on, on YouTube is cool. And back to the beginning of our conversation, that's great for the inspiration and the motivation part of it. Right. But how do you how do you keep the momentum from there through the logistics, through the planning, through getting really de deliberate and systematic about it? And so that's how I've gotten to a point incrementally over time where some of the stuff that I do, people in my network are like, well, shit, that's crazy. It's like it's not necessarily crazy, but I've worked up my capacity and work rate and, and ability to plan and ability to to mitigate risk so that. I have a lower probability of being overcome by events in those situations because my physical chassis is ready and my mindset is ready for it. And I've done all the necessary planning on the front end to do those things. Hey, Donnie Bovine here, CEO of Success Champions Networking. And I just wanted to jump in really quick and tell you about the network. Success Champion Networking isn't for the beginning networker. It's for the business people that understand that building a successful relationships is a two-way street requiring commitment from both parties involved. Stop wasting time networking with people that don't understand how to leverage their network to generate quality referrals for you. If you're ready to network with business people that are tired of doing all the heavy lifting and want to build real partnerships that generate high revenue referrals, Visit one of our chapters today at successchampionnetworking.com and I look forward to seeing you there. And then you're just at the point after implementation where you're executing, right? And so that's kind of the other thing I wanted to talk about. So we talk about now executing and not having all those off ramps where you can turn off your or turn on your blinker and just quit and get off and come up with an excuse about, you know, your bad work or your bad knee or your bad back and you gave it your best. It's like, yeah, all that's true. I heard all the time too, but death before dishonor, it's like you made a social contract. So it's like, there are people that are motivated and inspired by you now, right? So yep. the, the taller you get into people's awareness, the bigger shadow that you cast, right? So you need to be very deliberate about the, the moves that you make. We're in a culture where everyone wants to be an influencer and positivity and all this other stuff. But when it comes down to it, man, you got to do the work and you have to actually set the example. Yeah. It doesn't matter how many people follow you because those people come and go and they can't execute on, on game day. And so that's where you get into the last phase of it. Then after execution, it's iteration. And that's where you're bringing things full circle as like a, a life, you're setting your lifetime goals and, and achieving those lifetime goals. And you're keeping that momentum because now you're iterating because every mountain that I've climbed, some of the ones that I haven't summited, you know, it's either a successful operation or it was a successful reconnaissance, right? When I fail, right. I like to call, I like oh, I to call that. it, yeah, I like to call it successful reconnaissance. And in your case, then for this tough mutter, it's like, I'm sure you can find people in, in your broad network who've been through this before, both succeeded and failed. And they can say, you know, here's the part, this cargo net, I didn't, I didn't really take that too seriously. And that's the thing that broke me off. And so those are the types of things like you can then plan. It's like, well, I need to make sure that I'm training. I have work rate to get up a 60 foot cargo net and not just be able to go 20 miles or whatever it is. So you're able to do some of that reconnaissance, even though you haven't been in it and felt it before by looking at the Google maps, by looking at the elevation charts, by talking to people who've been through it before 
and not only experts in the field who are who are you know the ten time Hunter McIntyre I crush everything guy. You're, you're talking right. to people who are the forty something guy who has good baseline fitness from years back, but's been busy running their business and they're trying to get back into it. So now contextually, you can start to talk to those peers as well. It's like, you know, what was your experience with this, whether successful or whether they failed and it was a reconnaissance, right? Yeah, totally. You know, this all stem from, I, I, I forget, I think it was Tom Bilyeu on one of his impact theories where he was, and it may have been talking to Hermosi and he said, most successful people are as physical as they are ferocious when it comes to business. Like there's some sort of like success is found after extreme, you know, physical activity. Um, you know, there's been that CEO that came out and said, look, if you don't look like a beast, you won't work in my company. You hear these type of things. So that's what started me down the path. I'm like, okay, I've got to put something more physical into my world. Let's go put this theory to the test. And of course, I'm going to go as extreme as I can for me because I'm stupid like that or fun like that, however you want to look at it. And, Probably both stupid right, fun. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, for you, are you along that same line set of that, that physical activity, you know, is, is kind of a, a, a keystone, if you will, of, of success or however you want to measure success? One million percent. And I'm so glad to hear you say that, right? I've listened to some of your past ep episodes. And I could see those inklings in in, yeah. uh, in your comments in there. So it's like, absolutely. Because I think it's kind of a, if you look back to like maybe the early 2000s or the 90s or whatever, you had the guys in the suits. It's like, I'm in charge of this because I'm in charge of this. But it's like, are you really living your life that way? If you're just sitting up in Morton's every night in your closed group, it's like, you're not really a modern executive in my view. It's like, right. because I don't know a lot of people who are, Oh, I'm a high performer in this, but my life's a disaster at home. It doesn't work that way. It might work that way short term where you're the guy it's, who's yeah, it's not sustainable. Exactly. And you start to bring it into your work and the sales guy who was, who was shit hot for 10 years, you know, all of a sudden their wife leaves them, their kids hate them, you know, all this other stuff is going on and then they got a drinking problem and it all falls apart. That's how it goes. I'm not going to say everyone does that, but you have your house in order at home and you have your house in order at work and you have your house in order, even in your physical life and, and like your professionally conducive hobbies, as I like to call them, I think they absolutely contribute to that. And I think that there is a level of perception there as well. And I think the big change in that has really been with social media, right? Mm -hmm. To where you have executives now who it's not even considered a something you should do. If you're an executive or a thought leader in an industry, if you are not transparent with that through social media, then, then you're letting your professional community down and not doing that. So if you're going to show up, then I'm not going to show up and say, well, you know, I walked around the block and I feel good. It's like, no, it's like, if I'm supposed to be at the leading edge of, of my industry and influencing people to do better, it's like, I want to be at the leading edge of all, all aspects of that. I want to be solving the, the biggest business problems. I want to be working for the best companies and I want to be doing the biggest shit when I'm outside of work as well. So then when it comes time for those decision points on who's going to be the next COO of this or CEO of that or whatever, it's like, it's not even a question. I've already done the work. And if you're a secure enough leader, you're going to bring me on 
and we're going to crush it together. That's how I feel about it. So absolutely, to be an executive, uh, we use a term in the in the army, and I and I'm sure you had something similar in the Marine Corps as well. It's called the total soldier concept, where you had to be technically, tactically, and then as an executive, I add this one on strategically proficient. You have to have those three things. It's like, well, I'm a great operator. I'm a great door kicker. But if you can't put an operational plan together to lead a thousand people, are you really going to be a COO? It doesn't matter if you went to ranger school or SEAL school. You need to still put those things together, right? So you're never done developing that to bring that, that holistic, tactical, technical, and strategic capability together. And, that, and that was, that's what makes a, a truly rounded executive, in my view. I like it. I like it a lot. I like the the add on of the strategic as well, because I don't. I, it's, as I continue to watch these people, they're doing some of the things that I want. Like I'd love to have a podcast the size of Impact Theory and you know Hermosi shows and like. And I know it's mm-hmm. a long game and I got some work to do, but that's why I bring people on to coach me on the show because I know it sets me apart from almost every other podcast on the fucking planet. That's why I do it. Absolutely right. So, but what's fascinating to me about a lot of these guys that I'm following, the Jesse Itlers, the Tom Bill, use these guys. Tom's getting a little too relational on me right now with his content. I, I have a great relationship with my wife. I don't need all the stuff you're giving me. Go back to business, Tom. I hope he hears that. But, um, but you look at these guys like Tom and, and Jesse and Goggins and, and all these guys. They're not big dudes, right? They're not your freaking meatheads. I grew right. up, you know, in a world of, you know, Mr. Olympia and Schwarzenegger and, you know, Stallone and, you know, and so where you had to be this beast of a person. And now there's a massive shift from this beast of a dude to a healthy person, which is right. a completely different shift because I can even go back and look at like Stallone and Schwarzenegger when they were coming up. I mean, Schwarzenegger's still smoking a big ass stogie, you know, drinking like he drinks. Stallone's the same damn way. Mm-hmm. You know, they were big. They weren't necessarily healthy. I don't want to be judging on them, but that's my perception of it, right? So right. I love this idea of the, 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 it's more about health, being fit, but not being this gargantuan beast of a person. Like we don't have to all look like Dwayne the Rock Johnson, who looks fucking right. amazing. But, you know, uh, I really like the more emphasis on longevity, life and those things, because that has never been a focus in my 46 years. I mean, I, I'm, give me my rum, give me my freaking, you know, French fries and, and hamburgers right that's the world i want but i know mm-hmm. that to get to the level i need to get to that that not only do i gotta get physically better in shape and the likes but i gotta start thinking about my overall health because as zig ziglar said one of my favorite phrases of all times if we had a million dollar freaking racehorse we would not be filling that million dollar racehorse with rum beer cigarettes you know cigars and the like mm-hmm. so it's all of this is getting me to think more about a complete package if you will versus just focusing on this one iteration so yeah absolutely i mean you become an executive samurai instead of the old executives that do as i say not as i do because in my 20 30 40 years of experience like you live it and you live it in all aspects of your life and i like that you're kind of talking about the distinction between uh like our favorite 80s military movie action heroes and you know you have stallone and uh or you have uh Schwarzenegger and Carl Weathers do the, where they shake hands and when they've got the 20 inch pipes and all that. And, and it's great. But the problem is when they're 60, they probably look like hell and they probably got some heart issues. And so there's some of those other things. But again, 
those guys are wonderful, not a ding on them. And I was totally into that when I was a kid. It's like, oh, those guys are awesome. They're superheroes. But I think it's more just a matter of it's not good or bad. It's just as our society progresses, we get smarter to what truly healthy is and what truly strong means. So it's not a matter of what was done past generations was bad. It's just we're a little bit hipper to the program now of, of what truly healthy means. And and, you know, you were talking a little about it. People aren't as big and bowed up anymore. It's like, I'm sure you've seen this too, especially since you've signed up for a Tough mutter. that, you know, endurance is kind of like the new thing for executives. And I don't think yeah. it's going to weigh like I, you know, and since being on LinkedIn more and starting to establish a presence, I'm meeting more and more people from my peer group professionally that are at least starting that journey. And then some of them who are further along it. So they're out doing endurance stuff too. They're out doing climbs, they're doing runs, they're doing all this other stuff to the point where ultra marathons are the new marathon. I remember being, being an eighties kid. And you probably remember this too. You probably didn't know anyone that ran a marathon. Right. And you, and you may not have even known anyone who knew anyone who ran a marathon. And there were all these theories about Women shouldn't run a marathon because they won't be able to have kids after they run a marathon. And, you know, if you run a marathon, it takes three years off your life and it takes six months to recover. A lot of that's bullshit. We know it now. I ran a marathon of my first marathon at 38 years old. I was a sub four hour guy, so not super fast, but a respectable time. I was out running three days later. Right. It's like right. this, this isn't that big of a deal. There's incremental steps to get to that point. But I think that our generation now between the focus on fitness and physicality, and then also we have so much more information that's available to us through all these different media channels, we're able to absorb stuff. So we're truly getting like closer to being like real superheroes because there are all of these sources of information we have to look out to. Um, there are all these people that we can go to for like reconnaissance information that we can apply and we have information at our disposable and at, or at our disposal. And at that point, we just need to put the effort on top of it. All the tools are there, but are you going to go, are you going to sharpen your sword and are you going to go into battle? Or are you going to talk about it? Yeah. And I think it's really important to hear that we also, because there's, you go read Goggin's books and I'm not a big fan of Goggin. I just don't like his, some of his personal beliefs that just grate at my core. But, um, mm -hmm. uh, when you read something like that, you're like, dude, I'm never going to go run a hundred miles, right? That's just mm -hmm. never going to be a thing. I'm not, they're not, not going to attempt to pretend that I'd sign up for that. So there's, so I have to be careful that I don't put myself in a comparison game of, look, I'm not David Goggins, right? I'm not going to run a hundred miles because in an unintentional attempt at that comparison will be the exact thing that keeps me from starting, mm -hmm. right? And this is the reason to have all of these, you know, particular traps and things I got to do for myself to get me, get me moving. Um, you know, because I think even people reading your story and the things that you've pulled off or even attempted to pull off, yeah, in my head, I was like, there's no way in hell I would even attempt that. I didn't take into account the, all the other mountains, right? All the other freaking things you've done prior to, we only get to see the end game, mm -hmm. right? We don't get to see the training and practice. So. I just want to, you know, a lot of people that are hearing this is you got to remember that even if you go look at David Goggins, that dude started as a pudgy high school kid, right? Yeah. You know, that that's transformed himself into this beast. Mm -hmm. What made you at 38 years old to say, fuck it, I'm going to go run a marathon. 
So it's an interesting story. And actually the marathon kind of came shortly after um, I climbed my first mountain of significance, right? So we were in, I was in a training session. I was still in the army reserve, not quite retired yet at the time. And it's kind of the army's first attempt at like um, performance mindset training. It was okay and, and good on them for making the attempt. And I'm sure it's gotten even better since I've, I've left the service and retired, but it's called master resiliency training. And one of the sessions that we had during this is so me and a lot of my boys are sitting in there and they're asking us, well, you know, what's, what's your dream? And I think that was the question specifically. And one of my friends said, what's your dream? And he said, well, my dream is to climb a mountain someday. And another friend said, I'm going to run a marathon. And I don't remember what I said. Right. Um, but I went away from that training period and went back home to my, you know, full-time job or whatever. And I was thinking about, I'm like, this is preposterous because it felt to me like it was a thing. And and I love this dude, right? It's like, this is a thing that's going to be a, well, someday I'll do it. Could have, should have, would have. But we talked about before dreams are kind of outside of us until we make them ours with a goal. So I basically started doing the research. I didn't know anything about climbing mountains. So I find a mountain that's tall, but not terribly technical. So we could meet the requirements for it with fitness, without a bunch of special gear and about without a bunch of knowledge or whatever. So I ended up finding this peak and it was the second tallest peak in the contiguous U.S., which happens to not be terribly, terribly technical, but it's quite tall. So you have to be trained up and ready for it. So I started breaking it out. I figured out all the logistics for it. Then I presented this plan to that guy and a couple of other friends. We ended up going out and doing it. I never mentioned the set or the session that we'd had. And then afterward, and we ended up summiting it. Um, It was slow, but we were steady and and we got to the top, high fives, pictures, all that good stuff. And then we were eating a burrito, getting ready to to leave town. And, And this guy, he goes, you know, it's always been a dream of mine to climb a mountain. I said, yeah, no shit. That's why we're here. And it, and, it, and it hit him, right? And so that guy has since been climbing to me. He hasn't gotten quite as crazy about it as I have, but he's been climbing with me since. And I felt like it hit him like a ton of bricks. It's like, holy shit, we actually just made this happen, right? And he's a guy, he's a business owner who makes things happen. And for me, there was a, a feeling of satisfaction of that too. It's like, I took something from my community and someone who needed something and I operationalized it. And that's before I was posting crap all over LinkedIn or anything like that. So then you start to think about that impact you can have on people. And then from there, I just started climbing more and more and more bigger, more challenging peaks. Then I started telling my story about it on social media and people started sending me DMs saying, Hey, I just ran a 5k because I see this stuff that you're doing. It really inspired me. Or I, st- I planted a garden because I want to eat healthier. And, and can you give me some tips on composting and all this other stuff? It's like, so maybe I'm not setting the business world on fire, but I know that I'm starting to have an impact with people. And it's like, and that's pretty powerful stuff. And then once you have that, you kind of have that community and social responsibility. Plus you have some capacity and skill sets to do those things and set the example. Then you have the responsibility. Everyone wants to influence for the fame, but the the ability to influence is the responsibility to influence and the responsibility to do it in a way that's effective and also beneficial to your community. Love this dude. Um, I, I think you have a hell of an opportunity in front of you that you may or may not see, but as I heard you speak, you said a phrase that I'm like, God damn, he needs to market the shit out of that. 
you said you operationalized, you know, with it or that out, you need to consider writing a book on it, you know, or something and making that some sort of platform because that's a little, what a lot of us need. Because like, mm -hmm. I'm thinking through this tough mutter, right? You know, and I'm thinking, God, I didn't think about half of that shit. Like, I'm just like, I'm going to show up and do, try and do a tough mutter. <laughs> You know, good thing we that's, good thing we talked today. <laughs> but that's just my my mentality because I, you know, I I I you don't know what you don't know, right? And and I think if you've got a way that makes sense in your head to wrap it around and say, all right, you want to go do this, this is how you operational it. You know, this mm -hmm. is how you put it to. That's a that's a serious thing that I think a lot of people have. So I'm going to challenge you to really think about. Should that be an additional platform? I mean, I get it. I see all the, con and I think it was a composting thing was the first thing I ever commented on your shit on there because I have a full working. Literally, literally my shit. <laughs> literally shit, right, right, right. I'm like, this dude went from the army and went full fucking hippie. Let's figure this guy out, right? Um, which, which is really, really, really cool because, you know, we do a lot of homesteading ourselves, not to the level that you're doing up there, but we, we enjoy it. But I, I, as I'm, thinking through all the things that I'm going to start doing and start, you know, pushing myself more physically and alike. So I think that's going to be a huge con contribution to my overall success. You know, having a framework of this is how you should prepare for this, I think would be a huge thing for me alone. And I'm sure others would lean in on it um, because guys like me, I just don't think that way. I'm not a systems guy. I'm not a process guy. I'm mm -hmm. a, there's the hill, take the fucking hill guy, right? Like my coaches are on a regular basis are like, Donnie, I'm going to tell you this. Don't take any action. I just want you to tell you this is something we're going to do here in the future. Don't start. Don't take any action. Because if you tell me, I'm just going to go. That's just how yeah, I'm you're, you're already caught. You're already cocking yeah. a machine gun and you're rocking and rolling. Yeah, 100%. 100%, <laughs> right? So we need guys like you in our life to be able to go, okay, all right, hold on. Before we just charge the fucking hill, let's think through this. And you guys drive me fucking bonkers because I think you're slowing down the process. But it's, mm -hmm. I also know that slowing down the process speeds up the fucking ultimate process. Right. So, so I really think you should try and put something together like that, some sort of framework that we could follow. I'm going to take that to heart, man. I really will. Because so, I, I just know it'll be beneficial for me. And I, and I guarantee that as people listen to this when, they, when it comes out, yeah, you're going to get a lot of feedback in, in, in that regard. Because we literally just don't think that way. So, right. Um, I know you're stupid active on LinkedIn, or at least you seem to be, because I see you pop up all the time now. Because, like, dude, LinkedIn this year, I'm like, this is my platform. I'm going all the fucking on the damn thing, right? In 23, I just went nuts on there. Yeah. So, how do people get in touch with you? How do they reach out? How do they find you? So, and I'll just put out the warning to people who decide they want to connect with me. It's probably equal parts active and stupid. So grain of salt, <laughs> if, if you want to connect with me, but so, so just have a little grace. I kind of change subjects and move around a little bit, but you start to see the method to the madness after a while. But the main platform for me is LinkedIn as well. And it just kind of came as a natural progression to me. You can also find me on Instagram that or excuse me on Instagram at cover ground close distance all underscores between every word. Um, I'm not super active on there. I need to diversify a little bit more. And Same. I've kind of been I've been kicking around the idea of of delving into the YouTube space. I'm not quite there, but I think that's something I need to kind of fix as, as an objective for myself. But really, the main place is is LinkedIn. I'm pretty easy to find and I'm absolutely open to connect with folks who are interested in some of the same stuff that I'm interested in. Yeah. So guys, if you follow me on LinkedIn, you know, I post about goats and stuff. This dude's posting compost and freaking like hippy dippy land around his house. It's pretty fucking cool. 
Uh, and I, you know, I make fun of the hippies all day long, but they're the assholes that are going to save this damn planet while the rest of us destroy the damn thing. So, <laughs> so, well, guys, thanks so much for hanging out with us. Um, if you're still here with us, do me a favor, take a screenshot wherever you're listening to this thing, tag me and Tyler in it. If we see it, we'll jump on, we'll comment, we'll engage, we'll show you love, but you sharing those screenshots lets us know that this is the type of content you want to continue to do. You're going to put out, you want me to continue to bring on more people that can coach me through a lot of this stuff. And if there's particular topics you'd like to see somebody coach me through just to watch the monkey, send me those DMs too, because I'll, I'll take those challenges on too, because there's a lot of shit that I need to learn. So uh, I'm, I'm willing to take it on. But as always, guys, Tyler, thanks for hanging out, brother. The rest of you guys, love you, mean it. See you, bye. When I created Success Champions, it was on the idea that most people make themselves an island as they're growing their business. Yeah, they just don't want people to know how bad things are because if anybody knew how bad things are, nobody would do business with you. So like me, they don't often reach out for advice. They don't get support. They just try and put their head down and grind through it. And let's be honest, man, that, that lifestyle sucks. And when you're constantly trying to find yourself to push through it and figure it out on your own, it often leads to misery. We created Success Champions so you don't make yourself an island, so you don't build your business alone. There are a ton of people that are going through it on the same journey that are looking for the same advice you are. Maybe they've been through it and are looking to help. So come hang out with Success Champions. Go to successchampionnetworking.com, go visit one of our peer groups, and let's help you actually get to business freedom. Don't build your business alone. Come hang with us as success champions.